When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Here we are again. Welcome to another Big Ten Championship edition of the Wolverine.com postgame show here on the Wolverine.com YouTube. Sorry, we're a little bit delayed tonight. I made my way up from the field. Actually took this game in from the field uh, with a photo pass. So it took me a little extra time to get up uh, after the stuff at the podium down there. But uh, Ryan, Michigan's a Big Ten champion again, and this is – I'll start out by saying this because we'll get into the game stuff. Last year was euphoria. This year was business. This is another check off the box. Uh, they did not play their cleanest game today. They did not play their best football game. But at the end of the game, it looked like all of these have all season long where it's hammer away, hammer away, pull away late. Um we will talk about the college football playoff implications. I think the dust has probably settled on that before this game even started. But, Ryan, to get things going, actually, we'll, we'll start with, uh, with Shane Johnson's 1999 Super Chat starting us off tonight. Feel free to use the donate feature below if you want to move yourself to the front of the line. Uh, Shane says, so proud of Michigan. First back-to-back since 91-92. First 13-win season ever. Just incredible. Bought my first row Fiesta Bowl end zone seats on Monday. If we don't play TCU, the committee is a crooked farce. See you boys in Glendale, New Year's Eve. Uh, Ryan, thoughts, snap thoughts on the, on the contest, on the game. Just more validation that Jim Harbaugh has turned this program into something that's elite. Uh, to, to have a flash in a pan one year is something, but to – lose both coordinators to lose two first round draft picks on the edges to uh, have to reload, replace new quarterback, taking the place, making a decision of a new quarterback, taking the place of the former big 10 champion quarterback and come out and repeat as big 10 champions. I mean, this program is at a pinnacle that it has not been at since the induction of the college football playoff. And uh, you got to be excited about, 
where we're at and winning 13 games for the first time in program history, excited about the college football playoff and controlling what we can control. And I agree with you. One thing that I took away from this game was the business-like demeanor of the football team. And you being on the sidelines, I feel like you probably have even more of a pulse on that, but this team seemed to be there and it wasn't, it wasn't new for them. Purdue, it was new. You know, it was, it was, it was enamoring and there was all the lights and there was this big stage, but for Michigan, it was, yeah, we're supposed to be here. Yes. We're supposed to win. We're going to handle business and move on because we have bigger fish to fry. And for us to be in that position in the big 10 championship, considering where we were two years ago, what a testament to Harbaugh and what he's been able to do. A four ninety nine super chat here from Cameron Stokes, who asks, "Does Harbaugh not like interviews?" Uh, usually, when we do super chats, you get a little bit of a spotlight, but I'll just give you a simple answer: uh, No, he's usually pretty quick to defer, and I think that's the uh, that's the type of coach he is. I mean, this this group is so I've never seen a, a group of guys so you know clenched and so attached. Uh, at the hip this is I mean even Donovan Edwards gets named player of the game and he's up there on the podium not having his moment not puffing his chest out he's shouting out Blake Corum who is sitting in a hospital bed in LA right now after surgery the other day so this is uh they defer to each other they pick up each other they support each other that's kind of what we've seen from them uh, all season long and and Jim has a way of uh getting in his media or his mandated media appearances, but then quickly deferring to someone else. He's a pretty good uh, point guard and a former quarterback in that regard. But uh, we'll go to this one from Schaub fan here who says this big 10 championship game felt a lot different than last year, rather than the end goal this year, it felt like a pit stop on the way to something uh, greater. I think we just led with that. Ryan, do you want to elaborate on that one a little bit more? No, I agree. I mean, it is, a travesty that Michigan as of 2021 had not seen Indianapolis for the big 10 championship. And I think that having that unfamiliarity with the, the national or the uh, conference championship and what that entails and the confetti falling down, all that can feel like a, a conclusion to your season. And I don't think Michigan necessarily fell into that trap. Michigan was outmatched versus Georgia last year. I think we all can agree on that. But this team specifically, I feel like the leadership of this team is not allowing them to not allowing them to dwell on, okay, we've done this before. And and if you've done it before, then we want to go to the next peak and, and climb the next mountain. And the next mountain is advancing in the college football playoffs. I honestly don't even know because of how well this team is managed and, and how good their leadership is if they're focused on the national championship. Your first goal is to win a college football playoff game because that's never happened before either. And I truly think that the leadership of this team is going to have them focused on that. And you'll see another business-like approach to the first college football playoff game, whatever that happens to be. Yeah, and I think first and foremost, I mean, you know, it's technically Sunday now, but in 27 days, you're going to play another football game, probably in Glendale, probably against TCU. We'll see. Outside shout out Ohio State. I think the playoff field is is pretty much set now. Alabama's not getting in. Let's just put the kibosh on that right now. Um, chief among the priorities is getting healthy. Mike Morris did not play tonight. Obviously, Blake Coram's not out there. Uh, Donovan Edwards played and played well again, but he's got the broken bone in his hand. So uh, health is going to be uh, 
health is going to be paramount and, and you want to, you know, last year seemed like there was just some momentum lost because I think there was just so much euphoria and so much of a release from beating Ohio state winning in a big 10 title. And this year it feels like, um, I think these guys are going to be chomping at the bit to get after it. Whereas last year kind of felt like at times they were just kind of happy to be there. So uh, I'm with, I'm with Shab fam on that. I'm with, uh, I'm with you on that, Ryan. Uh, Darren Graham asked, actually, sorry, Darren, we're going to put a pin in that. Barry Eastbrush says uh, $10 super chat. How does Michigan stack up with TCU and who on the staff is most likely to leave in the off season? Um, to address that first one, I'll say, Success breeds success. Uh, as Michigan continues to climb this ladder, there are going to be guys that take jobs elsewhere. That's how it works. And uh, it's tough to tough to come up with names right now. I mean, you'll hear Mike Hart. You'll hear Sharon Moore. Um, I don't think anyone's going to leave for a lateral move. That's all I can really say on that. Um, how does Michigan stack up with TCU? I mean, TCU's got, first and foremost, that, that lucky rabbit's foot. Uh, ran out on them a bit on Saturday, but uh, even then, to even find a way to crawl back into that game against Kansas State, I was I was impressed by that, even in the loss. So, Brian, I don't know how much TCU football you've watched this year, but just your early thoughts, if that's the matchup it winds up being. So, yeah, I watched them today. I've watched them in bits and pieces throughout the season, and I see TCU as a very similar team to Purdue, and I think that always – with the bowl game, you've got the four weeks to prepare, five weeks to prepare, so it does change the, the – preparation a little bit but I think TCU is very similar to what we just saw out of Purdue which I think works in our favor and I also think TCU has not seen a team like Michigan uh, in the style of football the brand of football that we play we play so uh, the uh, the other uh, I think factor is that TCU this will be their first time visiting the college football playoff and I think that'll be overwhelming they're coming off of a loss so I like our matchup versus TCU. I think that's a matchup that we should be favored in. I don't know about how much, but they're going to give us a game. Those guys fight. That's one thing that you can definitely take away from today's game. But they're like Purdue, but just like uh, Adam Shepardson saying, they have that dynamic quarterback that can take off and make some plays with his legs and seems to make good decisions. So Purdue, <coughs> excuse me, Purdue, I thought was a, formidable opponent i think tcu will be more formidable but um i see us being favored and i see us being able to play our brand of football against them which will work in our favor i'll go back to cameron stokes here with a 499 super chat will johnson has has ascended very quick he probably needs to tackle better but overall uh his coverage skills are elite he got better so fast he's a five star uh i'm not surprised by anything we've seen out of him he's got the length he's got the athleticism he's a former wide receiver so he knows how to track the football uh full disclosure i put him in as my vote for uh, the Big Ten, uh, Big Ten Championship game player of the game, the MVP, uh, which ultimately went to Donovan Edwards. But Will Johnson, it just seems like every time he takes, he steps foot on a football field, he takes a step forward. And uh, there's even just so much more room to grow. But he's already, I'll say it, he's Michigan's best cornerback. He's he's challenging DJ Turner. I think DJ Turner gets a lot of respect. One of the things that's tough at corner is when you're so good at corner, no one gives you any opportunity to demonstrate how good you are. And DJ Turner, I think gets uh, avoided a lot in, in different offensive uh, playbooks and what their approach is going to be. But Will Johnson, <coughs> the more reps he gets, the better he's going to be. I mean, he's a true freshman. 
game 12, he should be better than game two. And game six, he should be better than game four. And you're seeing the development of this player right before your eyes. And he's going to be a tremendous player as he gets older. We were talking, the group chat was obviously live today. And we were talking about freshman corners that have been as impactful or made the plays that Will Johnson has made. And a lot of us just had question mark emojis because it's it's he, the way he's been able, especially this game, to impact games recently he's going to be a stud. Yes, he will. And Tommy B uh, has another uh, question about the running back position. Tommy B with a $2 super chat says, is CJ Stokes injured? I thought he would be the second running back. Uh, I was kind of surprised by that too. Uh, Got a steady dose of Donovan Edwards, 25 carries, 185 yards. Uh, Kalal Mullings, uh, the hero, one of the heroes of last week's game uh, with the jump pass. Comes out eight carries, 26 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, looks like they have a short yardage back. I mean, I thought he played really well. Um, didn't see Stokes. Didn't see um, Isaiah Gash or uh, who am I missing? Tavier Dunlap. So, yeah, it was pretty bare bones backfield. But uh, I'm not sure if he's injured or what's going on. Um, so, yeah, not, not sure what more I can give you on that one. Uh, let's go to... Juice's ghost asked about where's Andrew Anthony and why no Stokes or Gash tonight. Uh, talked about the running backs there. Not sure about Andrew Anthony. Um, you know, we have been waiting all season for him to step up, step up and make a play, and he hasn't enough. So if you're going to run out there with the three guys that they have been, Ronnie Bell, Cornelius Johnson, Roman Wilson, that's that's the way a cookie crumbles, I guess. Uh, Jacob Tanner has a question for you, Brian. Uh, are you chugging another beer tonight to end the show? A little no, late for that maybe it's already the morning i've got a 15 month old in the room next to me so she's going to be up at seven regardless of what happened tonight so no i'm going to bed i might drink some extra electrolytes just to be prepared for her in the morning but that's about the end of it <laughs> um chuck brewer asks not a perfect game and also guys the queue is is wide open right now feel free to hop in um not a perfect game but you have to feel more confident in the passing game after and, and J.J. after tonight, outside of this, his one bad decision interception. Yeah, they didn't lean on him a ton. Uh, 11 for 17, 161 yards, three touchdowns. I think on his three touchdowns, on the money. Uh, his interception was a hero ball play that we haven't seen him make since the Maryland game, question mark. I don't know about Penn State. Maybe but I know it was his first uh, interception since Penn State, but thoughts on the quarterback play they're getting. I mean, I, I know it's not the it's not the eye popping stuff from last week, but I think you can make the argument hit maybe JJ's best two games of the season back to back weeks. What a stat line! I mean, I've, I saw the box score and I did one of the double takes. I refreshed my window because we completed eleven passes. We attempted 17, we won the Big Ten Championship, and we had three passing touchdowns and scored 43 points. Is that what it was? 43 points with Mm -hmm. 11 completions? Does anyone else scratch their head, or is it just a late night for me? Because to me, you know. The the box score does not match this game at all. It really doesn't. You know, Um, like – they yeah they struggled if you want to say that I don't know that they struggled I, I don't even know what adjective to put to it they just they got the job done they went out there they went went out there seeking points in they in typical 2022 Michigan fashion came out in the third quarter and in the first four minutes hung 14 points on them and dominated the second half 28 to three 28 to 
six, something it like was that. Twenty nine to nine. Twenty nine yep. to nine. I mean, um, crazy. I'm going to rattle off some numbers here for you. Uh, total yards: <laughs> Purdue, Purdue four fifty six, Michigan three eighty six. Uh, first downs: Purdue twenty seven, Michigan Michigan seventeen. Uh, third downs. Purdue was 9 of 18. Michigan was 6 of 12. Purdue ran 84 plays. Michigan ran 55. Uh, time of possession, Purdue had the ball for almost 34 minutes. Michigan a touch over 26. Like, they barely had the ball in this game, and they scored 43 points. It's so weird. This is um, – and I know you were on the field for a game this season, so you can kind of back me up on this, Ryan. It's so – like, it's tough. I'm not going to know a lot. I don't have a lot to bring to the table tonight because my perspective, especially I was in the, uh, the end zone most of the time. Um, I just didn't see as much as you normally see high above, but uh, it feels like they played like a C plus football game and still are big 10 champions. Am I, is that, is that accurate? I think so. I mean, the reason I think C plus uh, might be a little critical, but I think you're in the right ballpark is because like, we haven't seen in the first half specifically, we ran a lot of zone. Jesse Minter went to a lot of zone and the Purdue team and offensive coordinator and head coach had a great game plan in a way to target that zone in like hash mark 10 to 12 yard curl route that was there all the time. Whenever they wanted it, they could convert there. And Michigan also had some perimeter perimeter plays where we didn't tackle well in Michigan typically when we watch our defense, we make tackles in space, which is kind of a difference maker when it comes to if you're a good defense or a great defense and defensively watching a team march the ball on our Michigan team, especially in the second half, they, they may not have came away with the same amount of points that they did in the first, but they were able to move the ball relatively at will uh, both halves and got to credit their quarterback Purdue's quarterback is, is a stud. Uh, He was dealing today. Insane. Yeah. And, he doesn't have mobility, so to be a one kind of a one trick pony is what I'd call him, and to still be able to sit back there and make some of the throws he made, got a lot, got to give a lot of credit to him. They have a talented quarterback that made some plays, but no, Michigan did not play a overwhelmingly exciting football game, and still did plenty to to win the Big Ten championship, and that's just. What a what a weird odd position to be in, uh, considering this is you know our only second appearance, and now we're just waltzing through it, uh, you know, breaking minimal sweat. Yeah, it's actually kind of alarming uh, walking through Indy the last couple of days, walking into the stadium, being on the field. It's like these people, these Michigan fans, they feel like they're used to being here already, and and like who can blame them? This was as businesslike a victory as they've had this year, and. Um, you know, if you're going to judge this Michigan team based on the eyeball test, I think some people will come away unimpressed, but they've won every type of football game this year. They've won a bar fight. They've had to score a bunch of points. They've had to, uh, you know, you know, when Purdue is, has had upsets against top five teams, usually their wide receivers go off, or at least one does. Charlie Jones had th- uh, 13 catches for 162 yards, and it was all just like uh, – all for nothing, pretty much. I mean, red zone defense clamped down. Uh, I'm of the opinion that Jeff Brom must have had the 16 and a half with the some of the field goals he kicked in the fourth quarter. Just uh, business-like, again, gritty, uh, are things that Jim Harbaugh would call it for sure. 
Uh, let's go to Cameron Stokes again. He says, Mike Steiner still was snubbed from all Big Ten. Uh, $2 super chat. I would agree with that. Uh, what did you think of how What did you think of how he played tonight? It seemed like it was a bit of a quiet evening, but I could be off on that. I think so. <clears throat> I think so. I think they had a game plan to target Will Johnson and Javon Green when he was in there. To me, when I was watching, it seemed like they were taking good looks at the defense and what we were in and then looking to get either Jamon Green or Will Johnson one-on-one with one of their best. And Sanders still, I think the fact that their tight end, I think ended up their stud tight end ended up with two receptions for 10 yards. That's usually a tribute to one Mike Sanders still into the linebackers and coverage. But the fact that the tight end didn't get going today is a big deal uh, for what our defense did to shut them down. And I think that the other receiver that got going, I don't remember his name, but the other receiver that got going for them, that was what we were willing to give up as long as it wasn't the big play. And, Again, we've hit Will Johnson already, but he played tremendous. I think DJ Turner is one of the best corners in our in the, in college football, and Jamon Green in relief, serviceable. There's times where I'm like, oh come on, but uh, serviceable in his relief role for both those guys. Absolutely. Let's go to uh, a couple more super chats here. First one from Hexy Ace, who says our red zone defense disguises our poor twenty to twenty uh, twenty yard line to twenty yard line defense. Uh, what do you see when teams get into the red zone? What is Michigan doing differently to throw them off and, and force them to kick field goals? I think they do a lot better job tightening up. And one of the things that we make you do is make contested catches in our secondary. We talked after the Ohio state game that it was so impressive that we were able to keep them in check. And one of the things that I think that we've done a great job and it's not necessarily a stat that shows up when you're watching a broadcast, but Michigan, when, when receivers are catching balls against Michigan and they're catching them, they're making plays, they are contested catches. Our guys have hands in between their hands, their step for step with them. It's very rare. And I think you saw a little bit of the first half, which had me just a little concerned, but it's very rare that someone's making a catch because they're all alone unless they're at the line of scrimmage or something like that. So uh, I think that Michigan, especially in the red zone, does a really good job of we don't bust. We have people covered, and you're going to have to make a play better than our guy can make a play to to score points. And typically, you know, as far as this season goes, those clamps are tight. Richard also Brooks uh... – He's, he's calling a shot here. He says, thoughts on a potential Ohio State semifinal. Um, I'll start by saying I don't think the committee is going to do that. I think they set a precedent last year with a Georgia-Alabama rematch, setting that up for the title game. Um, I say bring it on. Uh, that's kind of – I've come around on that. Uh, you're, they are a soft football team. They are a finesse football team. Uh, by far, if TCU and, and Georgia and Michigan are, are in that top three – You've got all three of those teams have, I think, tougher, tougher rosters, tougher quarterbacks. Uh, it's tough to beat a team twice in a year, but um, if it winds up being Ohio State at any point, and maybe it's maybe it's Ohio, TCU and Ohio State, maybe it's Ohio State and Georgia. I mean, if it's Ohio State and Georgia, and and you're you get to that last Monday night, you are setting up the most satisfying validating national title that's probably ever been won. Uh, that's exciting to me. Uh, I know people are annoyed by OSU backing in. The fact of the matter is there's no one else to put in. Uh, I think they're 
they're obviously of what's left, one of the best four teams left in the field. So if that's who it is, you, you, you put on the shoulder pads and, and you go do it again. I am not going to have a popular opinion here, but I think they're setting up. The only reason I saw Saban on my TV screen today at halftime was because they're trying to sneak Alabama in. It's going to happen. I don't know why I feel this way. I've got this weird suspicion that they're going to validate, oh, they were hurt. They had you know five games that went to this last possession. Ohio State got blown out at home. It's not what you did. You know, throughout the season, it's what you've done recently. And I think they're going to sneak Bama past Ohio State. But regardless of if that happens or not, uh, I don't you, – if you want to be a national champ, the way it's set up right now, you have to win two tough football games. There's no easy first game to, to get to the national championship. So if it's Ohio State, great. We know who they are. I, I love knowing my enemy, so let's bring it on. But if it's TCU, I feel good about that. If it's Georgia, I feel good about that just because this team has seen them before. I know Georgia will be favored, but Michigan, at least these guys have experienced what that Georgia team is like, and I don't think they're the same Georgia they were last year, even though I do think they're the best team in college football right now. So um, you have to win two tough games to, to move and in, in call yourself a national champion whoever backs in gets in however it happens it happens but michigan to me has this weird they talked about it at the, the post game presser it's not culture jim harbaugh said but it's just love that they have for each other and whatever you want to call it the zen the vibe the 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 team has this aura about it and it's about them it's not about who they play so they're gonna have to win two tough games and i think they're prepared to do that regardless of who the committee selects Yep. And, and to the people who are say that the game, the game, Michigan, Ohio state is devalued. Um, Michigan played tonight and Ohio state didn't Michigan won a, a big 10 title tonight and Ohio state didn't uh, that still matters. So that's, that's where I stand on that. The game that doesn't matter is the conference championship. Yeah. If we're just no. being honest, I mean, yeah. you get a wrong. ring, but when it comes to the college football playoff, it doesn't matter anymore because you, you, you lose your college football playoff or your conference championship, does that mean you lose your spot in the college football playoff? We'll see what happens with TCU, but I don't believe they deserve to be punished. They deserve to lose no spots for an overtime loss in their college football playoff. Ohio State definitely doesn't jump them, in my opinion. Yeah, to number – by the time when these rankings come out tomorrow, it'll be what? They will have lost an overtime to number eight or something like that? If the argument's one-loss team versus one-loss team, then to me that's – that's a data point they have over them. Obviously there's a big, bigger body of work, but uh, thanks rich for the question. We'll go to a 499 super chat from Cameron Stokes. This is, I'm a little upset that we gave up the fake punt after admitting that we screwed that up last week, but got bailed out uh, thoughts on the fake punt, Ryan. I thought the exact same thing, Cameron, they did the exact same thing that Ohio state did. They just executed it. Right. And we were aligned actually in a position to stop it. And then we got, Someone decided, hey, no, move over. We have too many bodies on this side. And then we opened it up for him. So I uh, I had my forehead in my palm and was like just as frustrated as you were watching that. But at the end of the day, that's one special team's blunder in 13 games of football. They'll be better. And, and that fake is no longer available. But I was just as frustrated. <laughs> uh I want to shout out Jeff Brom in general. Um, he's go always has a bag of tricks, and I just I just like watching how that guy calls a football game. He calls it like I would play Madden. It's it's awesome. 
Uh, Shane Johnson uh, with a two ninety or dollar ninety nine super chat says, "Will Johnson is an eighteen year old Charles Woodson clone." Uh, I'm not. I haven't brushed up on my Michigan history in a while. How good was Charles Woodson, Woodson as a freshman? That's a little before my time, Ryan. I don't know if you have any insight on that, but um, all I know from the uh, from the more seasoned veterans that I, that I that I'm in contact with is that. Charles Woodson from day one stepping on campus had this swagger and this attitude and this competitiveness that was recognizable and was just emanating from him and people recognized it immediately. And if Will Johnson is that guy, then I'm so happy he wears maize and blue because uh, the leadership and, and the way that Charles Woodson used to approach practices and weightlifting and stuff like that are things you hear as a player you know what he can do on the field and what he did on the field and the iconic moments. But what you don't hear about is his day in day out work ethic that everybody recognized. And that was what made him the leader that he was. So uh, if Will Johnson is anything like Charles Woodson, we are in great shape uh, as Michigan football. I was just about to read my mind. Uh, this is a visual, this is a visual, visual bit for those of you who are listening after the fact, you'll have to go to the YouTube video and watch. I want you to comment, Ryan, on this look that Michigan ran out there. Uh, from left to right, you have Max Bredesen, Giovanni Elhadi, Trenty Jones, Ryan Hayes, uh, Trevor Keegan, Olu, Zach Sinter, Carson Barnhart. Uh, that is – that might be the most Jim Harbaugh Michigan photo I've ever seen. <laughs> well, you got seven O-linemen in, and there's only 11 allowed to play. You have to have a quarterback, so that means you got three specialists in. Out of those three specialists, one of them is a running back. The other two are 260-pound tight ends. So you're literally putting everybody on a truck weigh-in scale and going, okay, we weigh 3,000. What do you weigh? And we're going to get our yard. I got nothing wrong with it. It's, uh, you know, it's successful. Listen to another interesting uh, Red Sox lover wants to talk about the two-point conversion uh, where was that like a it was tough that happened right in front of me but it just all kind of happened so fast was that like a swinging gate situation that just never swung back like what was that yeah so if you didn't see it which it's not been shown so you wouldn't have been able to see it they had their entire offensive line besides the center and then donovan edwards lined up all the way to the boundary and you've got all these guys on the line of scrimmage so you might send some coverage guys over there, but realistically the only person that's eligible is Donovan Edwards. And I think they dedicated too many resources over to that side, the distraction. So then you've got a three man game that you can play with uh, McCarthy. And then the other two receivers, three receivers, whatever it was. And they have that schemed up. If there's X amount of players over the center, we run this. If there's not, we throw it out to Donovan, just let him walk it in. And, if you've never seen that on film, the odds of you having that covered correctly, not so good. I I can't share it publicly because of broadcasting rights, but I I will send you my video of of that play. It, it's 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 something. Um, Cameron Stokes with he says my last super chat for four ninety nine. Uh, my, those reviews were way too long. I watched other conference games and their reviews were so quick. Something needs to change. Um, I'm in the press box. I have to make sure nobody from Fox is ready to tackle me. That's a bad broadcast. They went eight minutes of real time between snap. It was in the first quarter too. They went eight minutes between snapping plays from scrimmage. What was that? Um, 
the fact that it's 1 a.m., this game started a little after 8 o'clock, and we're really just kind of finally in – they're finally doing press conferences and stuff. And I know celebrations go long. That's a long night, man, and nobody's here for that, no, especially with the, the officiating. Um, why is it so difficult? These guys are so experienced. Why does it take so long? A lot of these were cut and dry. I wish I had an answer. I don't know. I, I actually agree with Cameron Stokes because I watched the USC-Utah game, and so many times I was like tipping my hat because the ref was going underneath the hood. 20 seconds, 30 seconds, ran back out to midfield. Here's the call. Let's move on. And I thought, well, that's how review can help this game as long as it's not disruptive and doesn't change the momentum and and get people out of rhythm, give defenses breaks that maybe they're not supposed to be getting. But um, I agree that the reviews took way too long. If on the first or second camera angle, you don't see something definitive because that is, to my understanding, is – the, the ruling is what the verbiage is, is definitive, conclusive, has to be absolute. If you have to watch the replay four times, that's not absolute, you know, at least in my opinion. So uh, I agree that these things need to be quickened up. And a lot of times it's disruptive to the flow of the game. A uh, quick one from this is actually from Clayton Safey, who's down at the presser right now. He says Jim Harbaugh just dipped out after two questions. Uh, JJ McCarthy and Donovan Edwards were there and, he said, I'll let, you, I'll let you guys talk to these guys. And apparently he said if he didn't tip out, he was uh, going to get emotional. So interesting. Uh, another Jim Harbaugh deferring to his players. Uh, we'll have a teleconference with him with whatever bowl they wind up at uh, sometime tomorrow afternoon. So we will hear from him soon. Uh, Nick with a nine uh, $10 super chat who says, I would advise Michigan enthusiasts to mute the live game audio and just blast Marvin Gaye in the background whilst enjoying the beautiful football domination before us. Uh, yeah, I guess if that's, if that's your, your cup of tea, although you're done with Fox for the year, but these Fox broadcasts are, are coming hot and heavy soon uh, with the new TV deal. So um, I don't know. I, I see Carson Jansen. I haven't heard a ton of them, but it seems like they've been doing a pretty good job over on the radio end of things. Maybe you bump in on that. Uh, last year I had an issue where, uh, my streaming wasn't synced up. It was like five minutes behind. So I pretty much listened to the Orange Bowl exclusively on radio because I was stuck at home uh, with the Coco. So, yeah, that's an option, too, I guess. Uh, Nick, thank you for the shout out. Uh, we appreciate that. Uh, Nick Sal- or Salden here says, if Alabama gets in, the committee loses the very tiny shred of credibility they have left. I want to pin you down a little bit on this, Ryan. Um if they sneak Alabama in, do you think it's over TCU or it's over Ohio State? I think it's over Ohio State. TCU can't come out. TCU stays in and it's a battle between Ohio State and Alabama. And it's just this sneaking suspicion that I have because it's not necessarily about are you one loss or are you two loss. It's a evaluation. They, they say this all the time and it never works in its big 10 team's favor, which is another reason I think this, but it's an evaluation of your entire team, all 12 weeks of your regular season. What were your wins? What were your losses? What was the strength of schedule? And Alabama lost two road games, final possession. And both teams were ranked. Ohio state lost a home game as a favorite and got smacked in the last game of the season. So I I just think that 
it's more of a toss-up than people are giving credit to. And on the way the committee, I feel like they've ruled in the past and, and decided in the past that Alabama has a much better shot that getting in than Ohio State than people think that they do. Do I think that Ohio State probably deserves it over Alabama? Yes. But do I think Bama has a shot and is not completely written out? Yes, I, I do think that. I would hate that. Um because all of a sudden we're dealing in hypotheticals and creating criteria for data points that don't exist. Um, but nothing would surprise me at this point. Uh, Matt McLean has a, a $5 super chat here. He says, these freshmen are so legit. Our future is so bright. Yeah, that's that's been one of the biggest things about this is that you know last year felt sort of like a storybook. Whereas this is, it's sustainable and the window stays open because you have young guys making plays all over the field on both sides of the ball. Um, you can see this this young core of Derek Moore, Will Johnson, and Colston Loveland, JJ McCarthy, Donovan Edwards. These guys have at least another year together, uh, maybe two in a lot of their cases. It's this team and this program are not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere. And I think that they're gaining momentum. And I think that this is, this last year and then the year before are both great platforms to enhance where we've been recruiting. Because to be honest, Michigan recruiting wise, I think we've been in the top 15. I don't know that we've been in the top three or the top five over the past, you know, three, four, five, six years with Harbaugh. And I'm not saying that you have to be the top two, top one, top three. Because you need to get guys, I'm a firm believer that you need to get the right guys for your system. And and you need guys that are going to uphold, you know, the core values of what your program is, whatever those core values may be. And they understand the mission statement of your team. And so I think you can win national championships, conference championships with the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth best recruiting class in the country. But I do think that having the second or third or fourth improves your odds against the Georgias, the Alabamas, the the Ohio States that have, you know, five stars at every position. So I'm very excited about the youth on this team, and I'm very excited about who could potentially be joining them and being the young guys on the J.J. McCarthy senior year team and the Donovan, Donovan Edwards senior year team because that's how you build a dynasty that, that reloads each and every year. Well, we have a super chat here. I'm going to put a pin in that for a second because we've heard from Mr. J.J. McCarthy, uh, and it's our first Michigan weighing in on this particular topic on a possible rematch with Ohio State. J.J. McCarthy says, uh, this is via our Clayton Safey, please, please bring it on. It would truly be a blessing if we got a shot to play those boys again. So there you are. Ryan, you see a quote like that. Um, your immediate reaction to hearing that from your starting quarterback. It's exactly what the mentality should be. Why should they have any fear of playing a team? I, I don't necessarily subscri subscribe to the idea that it's always harder to beat a team the second time around. Why? You have the confidence that you can beat them. They have a little bit of shookness to them that they lost to you already. I don't necessarily agree that it's always harder to beat a team the second time around. And I think that if, you can't control who you get to play and you get the opportunity to play somebody that you bullied in the last game of the season now in their place. I'd love to play them. I know who Ohio state is. I'll take Ohio state over TCU any day, just because I know who they are. So uh, I agree with his stance. I love his stance. That's the attitude. I want my team to play with. 
Yeah. And uh, on the topic of Georgia, um, JJ McCarthy also said, I feel like it drove me that loss last season drove me so much that this victory tonight doesn't feel like anything. It's just another game in the way of our goals. So we're not sitting here poo pooing a big 10 championship, but this team feels the same way. And it feels that way when you watch the play, when you watch them handle their business, um, there is so much more now. Um, last year didn't have to be a flash in the pan. They're able to replicate it and now push it forward. Um, this is in every way what what this season had the potential to be, and it's not done yet. Um, Bradley Knapp, who waited very patiently, it kind of would have gone hand in hand with the last question, but uh, is Colston Loveland one of the best freshman tight ends we've ever had? Usually at the tight end position, you're seeing a junior or senior. His future is bright here at U of M. Yeah, he, he's beyond his years. Uh, as so many of these freshmen that, this program brings in our um, tight ends are back in, in being used at Michigan over the last two years. And he has, he has a shot to be the best of any of them. As far as I'm concerned, there's another level for him to go to as well. The way he high pointed that football on the touchdown grab on the opening drive. It's just, that's doesn't get any better than that. I think he's the best tight end we're going to have at Michigan since Jake, Butt, and he might have the ability to surpass him just because of his pass catching ability and I think you give a lot of credit to Eric all and what he's developed the tight end position into because these guys are expected to be able to make plays on play action and get get your first downs be good targets in the red zone but the way our tight ends block these guys block like they're they're more impressive to me than a high level fullback and you know with their body type 6'4 240 230 250 somewhere in that range these guys are the pinnacle block on a lot of the block or a lot of the blocking schemes that we have for our run plays where the offensive line's going one way the tight end's coming back and you're going through that hole and and you saw it a lot when they show you the end zone view that loveland today was asked to do a lot of the blocking and as a freshman out there and you're the key block and we're comfortable with it over and over and over again he's going to be a stud and then he also has that pass catching ability that i think that we're just starting to see the surface and scratch the surface of what he's able to do. Uh, Hutch, we're gonna we're gonna close out the super chats we have now, and then probably probably finish things up here. Unless we have it's last call, pretty much last call at the bar. Uh, it is it is after one a.m. here on the East Coast, and uh, we got to keep the ball rolling here. So uh, I want to go to this one quick one from Shab Fam, who says, "Beat Ohio State again and get Ryan Day fired." For two dollars, he throws that one in there. I don't know if he'll get fired, but again, um, the possibility of you beat them in your own house last year in crazy weather conditions. Uh, those of you who are listening, I'm using air quotes uh, on the screen. You beat them in their building in ideal weather conditions last week, and to have a chance to play them indoors where Gene Smith has been crying from the mountaintops uh, that he would love his team to be able to play in, in the postseason. Again, Ryan, you said it, we know who they are. We know what they have been. So you take your chances there. Uh, I'd have no issue with it at all. Uh, Tommy B with a $5 super chat. Let's stop hurting teams who lose on championship weekend. This weekend should only determine top four, not who gets in field should already be set. Counterpoint, USC stinks and doesn't play defense and doesn't tackle. They played themselves out of the playoff uh, with that was just putrid, putrid performance. Uh, what do you think of championship weekend? Is this 
is this one of those things where like, why are we even doing this anymore? Partially. I mean, think about the big 10 specifically, and you can probably do the same breakdown through different conferences, but if I'm not mistaken, the big 10 East champion has won the big 10 championship since 2014. No one from the West has won it. <coughs> when that's the case, you know, what do you have to, Michigan had all the risk today against Purdue. You know, we, why does Purdue get to even ch- the chance to compete for a Big Ten championship when they've lost three games in that same conference and the team they're playing against has lost zero games in that conference? You, you're, Michigan had to, everything to lose. Purdue had everything to gain. And I think that's the case if you were to go to the other conference championships. And uh, it's, it's unfortunate because I like the idea of the conference championship, but it's almost like basketball or baseball or one of these other sports you have your regular season champion you have your tournament champion and then you have your national championship playoff because the way that it works out now for michigan to go 12 and 0 in the regular season and then still be you know oh we'll see who what happens between michigan and purdue that seems like a farce compared to the rest of the sports in in college and that's just you know that's just what it is right now yeah what did honestly i mean it sounds weird to say because I just watched a team hoist a trophy and I'll be pulling confetti out of my pockets for weeks. I feel like But if Michigan had lost this game, what is the, what changes? Like no, there's no one to surpass them. Um, they probably stay locked in it too. So I'm with you. It is kind of, uh, and it's only going to continue to get that way once we get to 12, which I'm in favor of, by the way. Um, I think that adds more weight to, you know, if a team like Ohio State was always going to get into the playoff, then what happened for them this weekend is that you went from having to host a playoff game to having a first round bye. And that's, um, you know, no sport that's ever expanded its playoff has, in my opinion, watered down its product. So I, I think it will get better. But, you know, when you're sitting here on a weekend like this, I get it. I get those concerns. So uh, let's go to one from Nick for 999, who says what JJ stated about Ohio State is not a mentality. It's a reality. And Ohio State is a program. It's soft. We all saw it, and the boys experienced it. I hope we play Ohio State again. They tap out. Agree? Disagree? I agree. I mean, they have the rubber stamp on their forehead of finesse, and that stamp remains until they do something to remove it from my eye and the public eye. Okay. Oh, that's Nick. That's the, uh, I'd say that's the million dollar statement. It's a $10 statement, but it carries that much more weight here. So I I totally agree with you on that point. Uh, This last one, we're going to go from Loretto who says, if this is 499 for Loretto for 499, thank you so much. If this is slow, if this is slow rolling slash doing NIL, right. I'll take it. Other programs are NIL deep and not, not as in the dance as Michigan is. Yeah, we're going to need a couple more years of data on, on all of that. Um, you know, there are guys on this roster like, you know, I don't know if if there's a J.J. McCarthy or a Donovan Edwards type that you bring in in the 2024 class or 2025 class, if this is the path that they stay on. But right now, I mean, that will take care of itself if you keep winning and people keep buying in and boosters are throwing money around and uh I do think there's there's a lot of stuff going on with that. Probably longer, something that can be unpacked in, at a better time than one nineteen a.m. after the Big Ten championship game. But uh, I can say this confidently: what Michigan is doing right now, as a program, as a taking care of the guys that are already on the roster, um, 
this is to me the model and, and how Michigan has sustained it over the last two years is, has been impressive. So shout out to them for that. Um, I don't know. Do you have any NIL thoughts or, or I, it's it, I, not to be a jerk. I just, it's not something I really feel like talking about tonight. No, I just would say that I think that the NIL and the transfer portal, the way that those two things have kind of walked hand in hand together are something that if you don't figure out how to navigate are going to kind of turn the tide of your program. And I think Clemson's probably a victim of that. I think Bama's experiencing a little bit of that this year. And you know, it's uncharted territory. And I would say let's let the Texas A&Ms and some of the other teams that are diving deep into the NIL Let's see how they pan out because Texas a this year, as soon as they saw some adversity, they caved. And I think it's because all those guys still get their paychecks whether they win or lose. So uh, I don't have a problem with the way we're handling it now. I don't know how you could considering the results of this season. All right. Well, I think that's a good place for us to end it. Uh, business like Big Ten Championship win, uh, as uh, like I said before, the euphoria from last year is not quite there because this is the expectation now. So um, keep climbing that extra rung on the ladder. Uh, keep, keep pushing, see what happens. Uh, you're, you're in the big dance. Uh, I think you're going to have a winnable semi semifinal game and see if you can't get to January 9th with a healthier football team, and maybe an outside shot that again, not reporting anything, maybe an outside shot that uh, Blake Corum pulls a Willis Reed here. Uh, and especially if you play the Buckeyes, how, how crazy would that be? So um, want to shout out Lewis Jewelers really quick, proud partner of the Wolverine, proud partner of Michigan Athletics. Uh, they're where Ann Arbor gets engaged, and they have been phenomenal in their support of us throughout the season. Ryan Van Bergen, as always, you get a little – you get a four-week break now. Uh, we'll see if we're, we're doing a, a post-game show at dinner time on New Year's Eve or if we're sitting here as the ball drops talking about what happened. But uh, – as always, appreciate your insight and, and what you bring. I am going to send you the video of the two-point conversion right after this. But, uh, yeah, man, um, no beer chugging tonight, just business. Uh, 43-22 uh, winners over Purdue, another Big Ten championship, the first 13-win season in Michigan football history. You've, you've, you've done it. You've surpassed last year in every single way already, and now there's even more meat on the bone to bring another term back so uh thank you ryan thank you producer hutch thank you guys listening uh be sure to like this video subscribe to the channel below we'll have some podcasts coming uh in the next couple of weeks maybe even the two of us will hop on at some point see if we can uh we invoked his name earlier but i feel like we're overdue for uh, a jake butt conversation the two of us so that would be nice to do at some point i'm just thinking out loud here uh i'm the brain fog is set in, but uh, thank you guys. And we'll talk to you again soon. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.